by the way, just uh, another quick point about the usefulness of, of these books. These are wonderful workbooks to use in any setting. And I've been, I've been waiting uh, impatiently to have all three books available myself at, at my clinic so that I, I'm actually giving uh, one of these books away to any new patient that comes in the door. Okay, that's just one way it can be used. I also use the books in the 12-week seminar series that I do clinically. So if somebody comes in and says, uh, you know, I've been struggling with depression, or I've been taking benzodiazepines for 10 years, and I now recognize that it's ruining my life, and I need to get off, and it's extremely difficult to get off these anxiety or depression medications. Uh, uh, and, and so they're, they're looking for all the natural strategies available. One, two, or three isn't going to do it for somebody like that. You have to have multiple strategies collectively brought together to help them through that process. And so that's why in our, in our program, it's a 12-week series where they're looking at every single which way that they can bring it in, uh, and, and act on to improve their health. And so we're using these as part of the 90-minute series that we do is the books. And so, and so this is a very inexpensive way to get something started and to, and to really enhance the effectiveness of any program because they, they bring it with them every week, but they also take it home with them. And so they study up on that. So the presentation that I've done, okay, they go, they go back, oh, okay. So it reinforces what we're doing in the small groups in the presentations, et cetera. So take advantage of this. I, I, really, I really think that this is an extremely dynamic, dynamic approach that can be used in so many, so many ways. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of these PowerPoint presentations that we've worked so hard and so long to develop. Uh, and, and one reason is because they can be used in any program you do. They, it, 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 even if you're not officially running a Win Wellness program or doing a Win Wellness full presentation, you can pick and choose those slides right out of the win, right out of the DigiPack, right out of the professional presentation material, and you can incorporate it into whatever else you're doing. For instance, uh, about seven years ago, I started doing the depression recovery program. I talked to Dr. Neil Nedley at the GC. And, uh, and he says, Wes, how come you're not doing this program? And I go, I'm doing so many programs already, I don't even have time to keep up with that. And he says, no, you got to do it. So I, I got all the materials, and it sat on my desk for about seven months. And then the Holy Spirit really impressed upon me to just get it started. And the value of these turnkey packages that are available to you is that you don't have to do all the research and put it together yourself. It's already all done for you. All you have to do is be willing to do it. Just set a date, okay? And then basically that day I kind of pulled the materials together and started. You know, it's not like I had time to, to do all the homework on it. It's already, the homework has been done. All I got to do is, is have a little bit of time to go through the material and just do it. You know, the Nike commercial? Okay, yeah. just do it. You use Talk the. Talk into the mic. Okay, use the <laughs> professional, uh, professional kit that we have, which has more PowerPoints than these do. But if somebody wants more, we'll 
We yeah, if, if, if you're into doing presentations, I would definitely get both because the, the, the DigiPack has the short presentations, really good presentations, uh, and it's complete, but the professional series has a lot more information, which means you have a lot more slides. Well, how many? Over a thousand. 1156 professionally done slides which you can modify. You can turn them into any presentation that you want and that's what I do. Every single presentation that I give I'm using multiple wind wellness slides okay and and just bring them in and bring in the latest studies and just type in them right in boom and it looks like wow where do you find time to do all that? Well it's the eight years of work that 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 my parents have done largely in, in working with graphic artists to do this so that we now can very easily put together a professional presentation. Dinner with the doctor. Okay. Um, one of these strategies that um, we have used at the Fallbrook Seventh Adventist Church in Southern California is, um, is a project that we call Dinner with the Doctor. Uh, my cousin, Elise Harbolt, actually my cousin's daughter, my cousin Susan, uh, Susan Youngberg Harbolt, um, uh, had, has always had a real passion. Uh, her father, my, my father's older brother, Russell, uh, Dr. Russell Youngberg, had always had a passion for lifestyle medicine and was one of the co-founders of the Win Wellness program. And, and so her, my, my uncle Russell's granddaughter, Elise, actually came to Fallbrook as a nurse, but working as a Bible worker. God put us together, and she had a burden to do a health evangelistic series at the end of her year's work as a Bible worker. And so, so, so how can we attract the attention of the entire community to what's going on at our church? And, and um, so we decided that we were going to start a dinner with a doctor program. It was, it was on a, a trip we took together, and we were just talking, how are we going to do this? And we were impressed by the Holy Spirit to do that. And it's a very simple program. It takes the commitment of the entire church, though. It takes an entire church to do a program like this effectively, at least the way we did it. And that involves basically putting together uh, a talk, and, and the first hour is the presentation. So, so on Sunday afternoon from 4 to 5 or 5 to 6, however, however it might be in your church, there's a presentation right in the sanctuary. I'm in the sanctuary, and it's a presentation on health that's integrating these concepts of physical, emotional, spiritual. It's for the audience, not for the church. It's for the outside audience. And... And, um, and then, then we go into, um, uh, after prayer, we dismiss and go into the fellowship hall where the entire fellowship hall is decorated for the dinner portion. A cooking demo is done, and I've had the privilege to work with Karen Houghton, who's the, who's the host of Naturally Gourmet. And so she would do the cooking demonstration, demonstrations and, and even show a 8 to 15-minute segment of the cooking show. So if you don't have anybody in your church that is willing to do a cooking demonstration, you can just use one of the Naturally Gourmet cooking demonstrations or another one like it. And then they are fed after, the, after they're all sitting down eating and have had a chance to, to, uh, to get to know each other. We have... We had, the goal is to have a church member at every table welcoming them to the dinner with the doctor portion. 
And uh, so that's relational building. Uh, those of us who've been presenting take the time to go through the audience and, and, and welcome them and thank them for coming and get to know them. People from the community are bringing their friends from hour, hour and a half away. I have, uh, I have one patient who brings his, his friends from San Diego, another one from Riverside, an hour away from our church, and they come to these programs. And then, and then we have the question and answer session, which can last anywhere from 15 minutes to 30 minutes or longer. So it's actually, it's actually like a four-hour ordeal when it's all, all done. Uh, but church members bring food. Not a, it's not potluck. <laughs> this is not potluck. This is, this is a specifically uh, menu that, that is recommended and people agree to bring certain foods on that menu based on certain recipes that we're promoting. Remember, we're promoting this to the community. So we have to educate church members how to prepare the right food for the community. And, and as we've heard several times in the past, many times community members interested in health are much more rigorous about health than, than, the, the, normal, than the norm within Adventism. And so we, ha we have to respect that. We have to think about that ahead of time. And so some, and by the way, this is one reason that I never, when I go into a church, especially my own church, I never start talking about diet when I'm doing about health. You, you, can't, you can't get a church excited about diet unless they're first excited about health. And more importantly, excited about health for the right reasons. And so there, there's nothing more divisive, I think, as many of us recognize, than going into the church and start telling them what the right or the wrong diet will be. First thing out, that's a bad way to start building a relationship. And, and, so, and so I recommend minimizing that portion, still promoting a really healthy diet and you know, picking the right people to bring the right food for those initial community events. But, but it, so it's critical to do the right thing, but to not cause division in your own church while you're trying to attract people to your church. Right? That's, that's the worst way to go about that. We have, to, we have to do some training within our church, but through modeling, that's the way we get the results, not by telling people what they can and can't do. Um, so the, the Dinner with the Doctor program uh, has been very successful. We average about 150 people coming out to that on a monthly basis. It's a lot of work because we're feeding 150 people free. Okay, so it doesn't have to be exactly like the way we do it, but that's the way it's been done uh, for now about a year and a half. And, uh, you know, the, the, the church, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church used to be this, this church on the side of the freeway. Everybody would go by and go, what, what's that? Yeah, what's, what's that? It was the clock tower there. And that was all they knew about their church. Now there's a buzz all through that community. And, and extending an hour in every direction. Here's the buzz. Wow, that church is really active. Can you believe what they've been doing? Okay. And we've developed wonderful friends in the community. How many of these people are not uh, Last two weeks ago, two weeks ago today, we did, uh, we did a program, and there was 175 people. 90% were not Adventists. So we specifically told the, the, the church population in, in our church says, um, we have so many people coming. Unless you have a specific role to play, please just don't come. <laughs> okay, I mean, we said it nicely, but because we just didn't have enough room. 
uh, especially, you know, we don't want a whole Adventist rushing in get, and getting all that good food, you know, and all the non-Adventists are going, like, hey, we can't find a seat. So we have one Adventist per table pretty much, and everybody else is, is, uh, is learning these principles that attract them to not only greater health insights, but now recognizing that health cannot be achieved simply by the way they eat. Because, you know, there's, there's a great movement in the world that, that's changing the, the, the lifestyle through diet and, and certain natural remedies. But what they need to understand is that the greatest natural remedy is Jesus. And they begin to get that without us even saying it. Because they go, wow, it all fits. It makes sense now. Okay, it's gone from toxic religion to, to a, a remedial uh, religion, to a religion that actually is healing to the desires of their hearts. Yeah, quick point. We actually started, um, we actually started doing it on Sabbath late afternoon. It was kind of, kind of a, a dinner with the doctor late Sabbath afternoon. Um, but uh, after a while, we realized, you know, this is, it, it had made a big impact. People still came out. But it was, uh, it was a lot of work uh, for the church members. Um, and more work than the typical potluck, certainly. And so we decided as a church that it was just going to be better if we did it on, on Sunday, late afternoon or early evening. A lot of people don't like to drive. And so uh, after dark, and so we, we picked the time where they're, they're able to get home at, by dark or soon after dark uh, the way we do it. But it just depends on, you know, what, what makes your community tick and how, how close you are. Our church is basically a destination church. You know, we're in the middle of nowhere, and people have to drive 15, 20, uh, 60 minutes to get to their church. So, so it's just not a true community church the way we normally think of it. So we had to consider that in terms of when we did our programs. So, uh, so there, there's so many, yeah, so many uh, opportunities to do these type of programs and to actually then set up small groups from that. Okay, then you, you, you collect interests and, and basically plug them in right into a small group. So that's a wonderful opportunity. Okay, so I promised yesterday that I was going to finish up looking at this whole question of hostility and bitterness and, and how really uh, our focus should be helping people soften their hearts. That, and there's many strategies in accomplish that, accomplishing that. So before I forget to mention this, as we look at, as we look at the, the challenges of how thinking dramatically affects our health. Let me just say that this, that does not in any way decrease the impact of all the other natural remedies. We're not picking and choosing here. We're not, we're not saying this one is more important than this one or, or, or this one should be used exclusively over this one. We're saying we need to bring all of them together. For instance, there was a Department of Corrections study published in Peer Review Journal some years ago. And the researchers were actually looking what has the most impact on, on the rehabilitation of young violent offenders who are incarcerated. 
And so you can imagine all the different types of programs that are being done, that are judge-ordered to get people to stop being so violent. You know, what's going on with, the, with all this violence in our society? And these researchers came up with an innovative strategy. They did a double-blind, placebo-controlled trial using a multiple vitamin mineral supplement and some omega-3 oils. That was it. So I, at first glance of the study, I go, how, how, how are you going to get an impact with two supplements? You know, they have multiple nutrients in it. How are you going to get such an impact with young violent offenders that are incarcerated for being so violent? After, and so they, they randomly divided them into two groups. Even the researchers didn't know who was in which group. After nine months, they decoded the information to see what was going on. They discovered that those who were receiving the healthy minerals and vitamins and omega-3 supplements, they had 40% less violent acts than the others, 40%. And the researchers discovered this is, was far greater than any other program they'd ever tested. And it wasn't even a psychological intervention directly. What it was was giving the brain the nutrients and the elements that it needs to function the way God intended it to function. And so, so you cannot have health unless you first give the body the very elements of healing. And so that's why nutrition is important on psychological health. It's not one or the other. It all comes together. It's critical that we take advantage of those, those opportunities to feed the brain properly so now the frontal lobe has a chance of actually thinking more effectively, more critically. And, and our moral reasoning is more likely to, to um, have a the appropriate effect that we're hoping for. So, so ne never think that all the other remedies are, are, have, have no direct impact on how we think. How we think is critical, but we can dramatically improve how we think by choosing the right comprehensive strategies. Okay, now, the, um, Dr. Redford Williams, who had been director of the behavioral medicine center at University of North Carolina, took a, looked at the data from a large group of physicians. These are actually medical students at the time that did a hostility inventory. It was part of a personality inventory. Every single medical student went through, that went through University of North Carolina took this test. And so they had a huge amount of data on this, and they discovered that those medical students who scored in the upper half of hostility, we're not talking about upper 5% or 20%, just the upper half. They're, so they're just kind of normal, everyday people who just are more likely, a little more likely to be hostile than the rest. Okay? Those individuals, okay, after 25 years, okay, were five times more likely to develop heart disease five times more likely. If somebody has full-blown diabetes, there may be two, three times more likely to develop heart disease on, on CDC statistics. So just simply being hostile based on this hostility inventory had, a, had one of the most powerful influences anything could have on future disease. Now, just so we don't pick on doctors exclusively, Okay. And they were seven times more likely to have died from any cause. Seven times. 
Huge, huge. In other words, we need to emphasize this. We need to pay a lot more attention to it in our health programs. Now, how about last students, okay? What, what, the, what they discovered amongst the law students, and they just looked at it in a slightly different way, is that after 25 years, those law students who were in the upper half of hostility statistics, they, um, they, were, they were basically 20% of them were dead at age 50. 20% dead by age 50 compared to 4% of those who were slightly less hostile. Okay, so, so huge risk factors that we need to pay attention to. And, and how many of you have had the chance to read the book, Love and Survival by Dr. Ornish? Okay, just a few of you. Now, Dr. Ornish, one of his big interests in lifestyle medicine is because of a life-changing event that he experienced as a, um, I think, Harvard student. On the weekend, he had decided he was going to kill himself. He actually sat down in his parents' home and listened to, listened to a Hindu teacher talk about life and meaning. And he had a conversion experience into Hinduism. That's what drives him in his passion for lifestyle medicine. Okay? Um, and so you need to understand that. We need to understand that. But I tell you, I have seen no book. I've seen no book that look. He looked. This is looking at the actual research. Okay, a review of the research on how love, on how our emotions, on how our thought processes influence survival. Survival and all these other disease processes. And so, and so shouldn't we, with the information that we have, with the, the message, the wonderful message that we have been given, that has been entrusted to us, to give, first disseminating it effectively amongst our own, and then more effectively sharing it with the entire world, shouldn't we be able to be running programs and doing things in a far more effective way, right? So, so let's take advantage of that information. So now this is one of the things that we have learned with regards to the impact of emotions on our health. Feelings of isolation and rejection have at least two to five times the risk of premature death from all causes. So those individuals who... who on a day-to-day -day basis, have this 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 dis-ease, this this ill feeling of isolation and rejection have at least two to five times the premature death rate from all causes. Powerful, powerful statement. Um, this is a more powerful predictor of health and long life than smoking, alcohol use, inactivity, overeating, and all other practices combined. Okay, so, so in our health ministries, we need to keep looking at all these factors, but we need to, we need to recognize that those are symptoms of an illness. They are not the illness. Do you know the difference? Okay, alcohol use, alcoholism, smoking, overeating, uh, uh, a sedentary, the, those are symptoms of a greater illness. And that it, greater illness is that they have not found 
they have not found the source of joy and pleasure in their lives. And so they're looking for joy and pleasure from all these other things that do give joy and pleasure. Okay? And if you deny that, you've lost them. Smoking brings joy and pleasure. And if you deny that to somebody who smokes, they know that you have no idea what you're talking about because that's why they do it. Now, the problem is, is that, that that temporary joy and pleasure is actually stealing from future joy and pleasure. It is, it, is, it is robbing from their future joy and pleasure. And so now, as the months and years go by, they have to smoke twice as much just to feel as bad as they did when they started smoking. Right? And so, and so now they're doing, they get worse and worse and worse. So that's why there's so much disease and disabilities because the choices that so many of us make to, to get that, that little sense of joy and pleasure that we all want to have every day, right? If we're, not, if we're not experiencing joy and pleasure every day, you're going to start looking for what the, what the world has found brings at least temporary joy and pleasure. You might find a socially acceptable way or a secret way but you will find it because we all are driven by joy and pleasure. But ultimately, we're not going to get it unless we understand this overall concept. Okay, so, so we, we don't try to get rid of the symptoms, right? I mean, isn't that the whole point of the health message? You don't just get rid of the symptoms. You focus at the underlying cause of the problem, fix that, and the symptoms then go away automatically over time. So very important principles for us to recognize. Um, so we know that women who just felt isolated had a much higher risk of dying of cancer. There's many studies showing that. And so that's why our emphasis in our health ministries needs to be about building relationships. It isn't about how many, it isn't about how many lectures we give. You know, we could do dinner with a doctor and just make sure to rush everybody in, do the presentation, feed them. All right, good night. We got to go. We got to clean up. No, it's, the, it's about spending time together and then using that as a contact point as a stepping point to invite them to be with us, to get to know us so that we can, we can share our lives with them and we can basically destroy the isolation that is so damaging their health, right? It's all about that. Okay, and then ultimately, last slide in this section, is we talked about this important concept that we get from the Gospels, as a man thinketh, so is he. This gene, gene recognition and expression. How we think actually becomes recognized by our, our core genetic structure. Okay? It's, it's what we recognize in our thoughts, what we consciously think about with, in our thoughts, that changes the genetic recognition or, recognition or expression directly. All these biotech companies, and I was just reading, reading this morning on the internet, these biotech companies are taking advantage of, of the, the genome project. And they're coming up with all kinds of ways to dramatically change, change science and medicine. And what's driving this, by the way? Yeah, okay. And so we need to be aware of what's happening so we can interpret that from 
a lifestyle medicine perspective. And it's really exciting. So how, what we think, there's these neural proteins in our brain that are just waiting to be used one way or another. They're in every cell, every neuron of our, of our brain. And so these neuroproteins, they can be cleaved on one side, leading to the production of excess cortisol and stress and cause this chronic sense of stress that is so debilitating, causing, causing a epidemic of adrenal fatigue in our society. Do you know that if, if you actually check the average person's cortisol level, which is the stress hormone, is it too high or too low? See, we instinctively would think it's too high, but you know what? It's almost always too low. You know why? It's burned out. I, I test many of my patients for, for adrenal fatigue and cortisol levels as it relates to blood sugar levels and so forth. And the reason so many people can't concentrate very well anymore and they're so fatigued is because their adrenal glands have been stressed for so long that they can no longer produce cortisol adequately. And so now that predisposes them to all kinds of immune deficiencies, all kinds of uh, of autoimmune diseases, all kinds of problems. Why? Because cortisol levels aren't adequate. It's a real critical, crit yes, sir? Could it also be a lack of certain nutrients? That yeah, question is, is that also related to a lack of nutrients? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't be testing if I didn't have a solution, right? I mean, why test for something if you can't, if you can't help it reverse? Okay, so I, I believe everything has a potential to be reversed or at least dramatically improved if we understand or figure out the underlying mechanisms. I have to tell you this quick story just to inspire us. A few months ago, actually five months ago, I had a patient. It actually, it was the, a pastor's wife from the Mennonite church who had come to dinner with the doctor and who now regularly brings about 15 of her church members and the pastor. In fact, both of them are on the patients now. Um, ex excuse me, Nazarene Church, not Mennonite, Nazarene Church. And I've developed a relationship with them. And uh, she, she had been uh, counseling one of her church members who was horribly stressed out. She had been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, advanced case of rheumatoid arthritis, and for five years was on high doses of methotrexate and Plaquenil and many other medications that, that we know cause cancer. But yet it's the only thing that the rheumatologist had available to try, to try to dampen the pain. It wasn't even removing the pain. It was just damping the pain a little bit. She was working 12-hour days just to survive uh, as a livelihood, and, and so she was that. So, so the pastor's wife from the Nazarene church brought her in to me. And so and she said, my goal is to get off methotrexate and Plaquenil. So I, I said, well, listen, number one, that's going to be between you and your rheumatologist. But what we're going to do, what we're going to do is try to improve your health so much that your rheumatologist well, no, we'll basically say, I have to decrease this because you don't need it anymore, right? I mean, that's the whole point is not getting off medications. Never, never approach a program and say, we're going to help you get off these medications. It's about getting so healthy you don't need them anymore. That's, that's the bottom line.
okay? And, and finding better solutions to address the underlying cause, not just treating symptoms. So, um, so we did a thorough evaluation and um, discovered that she had horrible adrenal fatigue. And when you have adrenal fatigue, the thyroid gland doesn't work, nothing works well. Her immune system shuts down, autoimmunity takes over, and of course, rheumatoid arthritis is a horrible autoimmune disease. Then we also discovered that she'd had digestive problems all her life. You know, there's very few things that Ellen White talks more about than the relationship about proper digestion and health. You see, once, you, once you're aware of it, it's, you see it everywhere in her writings. There's very few things, so that's why I concentrate in my practice and in, in my lectures, I concentrate on making sure that we're addressing underlying digestive issues. And just about every other health factor relates in some way to having healthy digestion. Light exercise after meals. Have you ever heard that recommended by a doctor? Okay. Well, they should start doing it. I've, I've actually never seen a study on it. Never seen a study. But from the very beginning, when I first started this work 25 years ago, I was recommending it to my patients. And, and, and then I, uh, diabetes educators and diabetologists would say, well, well, you recommended exercise after the meal? So where'd you get that? <laughs> it gives me an opportunity to tell them about, as a, as a junior high student, how I fell in love with this, with the message that was written in this book called Ministry of Healing. And where, where it was so emphasized that light to moderate exercise immediately after meals is one of the most powerful ways to use exercise, especially for people with chronic disease and especially for the debilitated individual. If somebody has high blood sugars, prediabetes or diabetes, by the way, if you're 40 or, 40 or older, there is a 65% chance that you have either prediabetes or diabetes. I I think that we pretty much meet that, that age criteria. 40 or older. Okay, now this is a biased group. Uh, we, we, we are much more aware of what is necessary and what is, and how it's capable to reverse that national trend. But almost two-thirds of adults 40 and over have prediabetes or diabetes. A third of people with diabetes have no idea they have it, and, and I suspect that this, the data says that maybe, maybe uh, half of the people with prediabetes don't know it. My experience is 90% don't know it, because I've been testing for this for 20 years, so I think I have a pretty good sense of it. And, and so the vast majority of people with a, with, with a significant metabolic problem that drives heart disease tremendously, prediabetes is not just a risk of diabetes. It is in of itself a horrible and the most significant risk factor for heart disease. Far more important than cholesterol, a major driver of hypertension, major driver of many problems, including cancers. And so those things have to be addressed. So, so that's why the vast majority of people, all of us, could benefit from immediately after meals, not waiting half an hour, not waiting 15 minutes, not waiting two hours like most people do, okay, not 
waiting a lifetime like 80% of people do. <laughs> but, but, right? but do it immediately after eating because, see, the problem with high blood sugars, prediabetes and diabetes, is that if you wait an hour or two after eating to do your light to moderate exercise, your blood sugars have already peaked. They've already reached their, the, the, the zenith. They already, already have attached to all the tissues throughout your body, everywhere blood goes, which is where? Everywhere. And they have now attached to the, to the certain little amino acid proteins on the cell membranes, and, and they've attached irreversibly. You can never break them off again. Okay? Uh, and so they've attached and... and and any time glucose or sugar attaches, glycosylates, glazes to the cell, the cell membranes, the proteins in the cell membranes, what do you have now? You now have a dysfunctional cell membrane. You now have a twisted, the conformational structure of that protein has been shifted to be dysfunctional. Structure determines function in body physiology. If you don't have the perfect structure intended by nature, it doesn't work the same way. And that creates an enormous burden on the body, and it increases the need for many nutrients by a hundred and sometimes a thousand fold, just shifting, just causing that twist in that protein structure. And, and so that's why, that's all the more reason where people with risk factors and chronic disease, they can't just eat the standard American diet with 100% of the RDA. It's not even getting them close to the tipping point to achieve the potential of healing. And certainly it's not going to get them anywhere near close the potential the body has to reverse. That's why so many physicians believe that, that you can't reverse that many diseases. That's because their patients aren't coming close to doing what is necessary for the body to get what it needs to reverse the disease. That's the key right there. And so this, this patient who had come in with her, with her pastor's wife just uh, explained to me that she, since birth she had a congenital defect where her colon didn't work properly. There was a, she was, uh, it was a deformation uh, congenitally. And so she'd, she'd frequently gone 15, 20 days without a bowel movement. Do you think that somehow affects your health? Absolutely. Anytime you interfere in any way with the body's natural systems of detoxification, you're going to have problems. And so we address her digestion aggressively. We address her adrenal fatigue aggressively. We looked at all the natural strategies and approaches and simple remedies available to help regenerate the body. I saw her two weeks later. She was very pleased. A month goes by. She's very happy. And I said to her, I says, by, uh, by the way, says, you need to set an appointment with your rheumatologist so that you could start talking about when you can adjust your medications. That's between you and your rheumatologist. And so she looked at me and said, you know, and nodded and said, yes, yes, okay, I'll, I'll take care of that. Uh, unbeknownst to me, Three months later, after seeing her multiple times, and she's telling me now her pain is completely gone. She's having a daily bowel movement. She, ha she no longer has fatigue throughout the day. She's feeling really good. 
And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, uh, what would happen if she stopped her medications? Would it all come back? You know, is the medication masking what we're trying to accomplish? Now, even with the medication, she'd been on in horrible pain and, and so forth. So she was doing a lot better. But four months into the into seeing her, I said to her, I says, you really do need to see your rheumatologist. Because there's a chance that within a year, maybe, or maybe two, you could possibly go off that, but I don't want you to, I don't want you to have a flare-up. So you need to be working with your rheumatologist. And she said, that, you know, I haven't been completely honest with you. And so I said, okay. <laughs> so tell me, what's going on? And, and she says, uh, I actually stopped that. I stopped that in less than a month of starting this program. I've been pain-free since the very beginning. And, and a month after starting the lifestyle program, I decided, you know what? I don't want to keep taking these medicines that are so likely to cause cancer. Right? Okay? And, and a good rheumatologist would cheer that because they, they, they don't want their, can their patients to die, to die of some serious, horrible disease. It's strange that anti-inflammatory medications actually cause disease. I, I mean that. It's strange because if inflammation is the main driver of the diabetes gene. We know that from research at Joslin Diabetes Center. Inflammation is one of the main drivers of heart disease. Inflammation is one of the main drivers of cancer. And yet, when we use a medication that has a powerful anti-inflammatory effect, it seems to cause more problems. No, it doesn't seem. The studies are very clear. They're just Vioxx alone... The, the reports are that, that there was at least 40,000 people killed because of Vioc taking Vioxx. And that's conservative. I mean, are you kidding me? 40,000 people? And how many people know, know how serious that was before they finally took it off the market? So she has now had four and a half months of no pain. She's praising God. And she's so grateful that she had a pastor and a pastor's wife in their local Nazarene congregation that cared enough about her to find a solution for her health problems. So it's, it's all about what we're trying to accomplish. If we choose, if we choose, if we think appropriately, if we... If we decide to wake up every day with a prayer and a song in our heart, and as Paul and Silas did, even though they were being oppressed and imprisoned unfairly, they were joyous. They were singing songs, and they were, they were, pray they were thinking about the, the needs of everybody else. They weren't worried about their problem because God's in control. So if we can keep that in mind, that no matter what happens to us, God is in control, we will actually... At cleave this neural peptide in our neurons, in our brain cells, on the other side of that protein, producing encephalins, producing chemicals that are known to cause joy, known to cause pleasure, known to cause even euphoria. In fact, these are the very, it's connecting with the very receptors in the brain that respond to morphine. See, God put those receptors in our brain. He wants us to feel joy. But we have to do it according to his design and not keep looking for artificial substitutes. Okay. Um, how am I doing with time here? 
Oh, uh, never mind. Okay, what I want to do now is, is I want to share with you how I integrate the sunlight presentation in your digipacks or in your professional set, how I integrate it into my seminars. So I'm going to just show you in the next 10 minutes kind of how that works. Uh, I've mentioned to you that I do a 12-week series for patients. This is a clinical program. In, in my clinic, I have the, I, fortunately, I'm in a big, big building that has classrooms. So there's a university. Concordia University is right there in the same hallway as my clinic. And so I have a relationship with the, the, the administrator of the university in that section. And they just, uh, I make sure they get all the vitamin D they need and they let me use whatever classroom I need. <laughs> okay? I'm serious. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's funny, let me tell you this quick story. Uh, the administrator, I walked by her office, she's just right across the hall from me, and I said, Barbara, how you doing? She says, oh, man, I just, I'm really struggling with a cold, and, and you know, when I get these, it just hits me for a week, or sometimes two, three weeks, and, and I'm so busy, you know, and I have all these projects that I'm in charge of, and I can't be sick, and so I'm here because I have to be here, but I really should be in bed sleeping for the next three days. And I said, Barbara, do you have vitamin D? And she goes, no, I should do it. Do I need extra vitamin D? I said, here's the trick. And this is a peer-reviewed uh, protocol published in a medical journal. Okay? And this is what it is. If somebody's sick, there's a lot of things that we can do. And I share this in any presentation I give at our church on how to optimize the immune system. So there's all kinds of strategies. Okay? So I'm not taking away from any of the other strategies, right? It's about comprehensiveness. So but I, what I tell them to do is this. I want you to take 1,000 units of vitamin D for every pound that you weigh and do that three days in a row. Okay. So let's just take somebody who, has, who weighs 200 pounds. All right? Just to make the math simple because I need it simple. All right? So, you, so if you weigh 200 pounds following this published peer-reviewed Protocol. This isn't something that Youngberg came up, you know, just walking one morning. Okay? This is, this is information I received by going to a medical conference on this. Okay? Uh, and so, uh, if I weigh, I don't weigh 200 pounds. Um, I need to really bulk up to be able to do that. <laughs> but if I weigh 200, how many thousand units would I need to take every day for three days? 200,000 units per day for three days. Now, what's your initial impression? Whoa, are you kidding me? I mean, isn't that toxic? And if you, if you believe what you've been reading in the paper about various, various white papers or various concerns about the toxicity of vitamin D, you know, I had a patient come into me last week and her, her daughter was in horrible pain and had all kinds of autoimmune problems. And I said, well, is your daughter on vitamin D? And, and she said, well, the pediatrician said that she should never take more than 2,000 units. It'd be bad for the liver. I go, what? Bad for the liver? I've never even heard any, I've never even heard mention of it, much less a study that had any indication that'd be bad for the liver 
above 2,000. Maybe if she was getting a million units a day for nine months, then I'd start to worry about the liver. Okay, so the real case studies of showing overdose in vitamin D is, is literally a, a gentleman who was getting a million units a day in this powder formula that had been inadvertently mixed improperly. Yeah, little, little mistake. Instead of 2,000 units, they were getting a million units in that powder. And so he naturally wasn't feeling well. And, and, and he was really lethargic and says, what's wrong with me? Went to the ER and the doctor could find nothing wrong with him. But this doctor was thorough. And so he went, he went to the PDR and figured out what are all the possible causes of this. And so she just kept going down through the line. And, and, you know, number 100 of a possible cause of this was vitamin D toxicity. And, you know, as an ER physician, he'd never seen that. So he just tested the vitamin D just to rule it out. And it was 700. The vitamin D level in the blood should be between 50 and 100, not 700. So you can start getting toxicity above 250, but in my understanding, there's no need to go above 100. So you monitor the vitamin D regularly until you get it somewhere between 50 and 100. Well, anyways, uh, so, so the, the key is paying attention to what the actual researchers who are experts in this field say. So I don't listen to government panels or, or even consensus panels. On, on what should happen, because they're rarely right, in my opinion. You listen to the actual researchers who, and the clinicians who've done the most research on that topic. That's, that's all those people who know. Okay, I've talked to those personally, the top five people in vitamin D in the world. I've talked to them personally, and, and they, have, they have clearly demonstrated what, what the ideal is. So if you, you can take, I usually just take 50,000 multiple, you know, three times a day. 50,000 units, and, um, and do that for three days. And if you do that, my mom, where are you? Uh, two years ago, we had gone to the University of Geneva. Yeah. We'd flown, yeah, uh, uh, we had flown, actually, there was delays, and so I ended up basically not sleeping well for two nights. Uh, in fact, it was basically two all-nighters that I ended up taking because of delays and and we were supposed to fly out of Chicago, ended up flying out of, out of uh, Washington, and it was just, it was horrible. So we ended up in Geneva, horribly sleep deprived. And uh, we met up at the, at the airport, and once we got to our hotel room in Geneva, my mom says, oh no, I am coming down with a horrible flu. You know, you can tell, right? Those of us who've had any experience in life know that, oh, this is one that's gonna lay me out for at least a week, I can tell. And I had just, I had brought a bottle of the vitamin D oil with me. They didn't take it away from me at the airport, fortunately. And, uh, and so I said, Mom, just take a whole dropper full. It's 50,000 units. I gave it to her that night. We slept all night in the morning. She woke up and, well, she's still going strong. <laughs> I mean, it really took it out completely. So if you do it right away, it's a powerful natural avenue to augment the body's immune system. And we know from current research that at least 2,000 genes out of our 3,500 genes are specifically activated by vitamin D, which means if you want to use your entire genome to your benefit, you better optimize your vitamin D or don't complain when something bad happens. Because, you know, if you're not using 200 genes effectively, you're going to have a problem. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going I'm to hold on questions till, till the end because I'm going to be kick, 
get kicked out of here within two minutes. So I'm going to just show you how I use it. This is, I, I do a full sunshine vitamin D presentation from Win Wellness and integrate it into each of my three 12-week series. One on cardiovascular health, one on diabetes management, prevention, treatment, and one on optimal brain wellness, which deals with all neurologic and emotional health issues. And so this is a critical part of any program that I do, is making sure that somebody's taking advantage of the most, the most simple and amazing power of sunlight and vitamin D. And, and so I, as I go through this, as I go through this, you see, I just incorporate it into it with all my clinical information. I have over 30 plus slides from the uh, Win Wellness materials that are just, just hard packed with great stories and, and, and clinical insights as to the power and use of vitamin D. And uh, we go into the prudent use of sunlight and so forth. And then, and then in the end, in the end, um, let me just skip to the end. In the end, I present, I present to the group this concept of, um, of um, how just optimizing the use of sunlight, one of the most powerful eight natural remedies, and really the natural remedy that society and even public health interest has not only ignored, but has, has fought against the use of this remedy, right? Back in 19, 19, early 1980s, that's when sunscreen came in, right? Prior to that, none of us used sunscreen. I don't remember that. I don't remember using sunscreen as a kid, okay? And, uh, but you know, you know when the risk of skin cancers really shot up exponentially within the United States? Right about the time we started using sunscreen. Now, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is science. Okay, let me explain this. Sunscreen, up until the last year or so, only blocked UVB, which, by the way, is the only ultraviolet form that actually provides vitamin D. So all we were doing was blocking vitamin, vitamin D uh, promotion and absorption in the body. Okay, UVA still was a, a excess UVA causes cancer. It causes damage. So, so we were out, we'd lather ourselves up with sunscreen and think, I'm protected. So now I can spend all day out in the sun because I'm okay. Well, only UVB causes reddening of the skin. UVA doesn't cause any reddening of skin. It just causes cancer. So we think, I didn't get, I didn't get sunburned, so I must be okay. Really? Okay, and so, so in reality, that whole public health strategy to protect us from cancer actually increased the risk of cancer dramatically. Okay, and, and there's a lot more to that that we could get into and we won't. But now here are the studies presented uh, by, by Dr. Hollick and um, Dr. Robert Heaney from Creighton University in Lincoln, Nebraska. I, I spent a lot of time talking to him. And I remember asking him, along with Dr. Eric Madrid, who is a family doctor and who published a book on vitamin D. Um, and um, he actually wanted me to co-author the book with him. He said, I don't have any time to write a book on vitamin D. And I was always lecturing on it. 
So, but he actually wrote the book on it. So it's available on Amazon uh, by Dr. Eric Madrid. So we were both at this international conference on vitamin D. And so we went up to Dr. Robert Heaney, who, who sits on the, the uh, FDA committees on, on nutrition and, and, and rule on how much vitamin D we should be getting. He's the expert on vitamin D, and they all voted him down. They all told him, no, no, we we're not going to use your recommendations. Yeah, I know you're the expert, and you've, you've published about 300 studies on it, but, and we haven't published any studies on it, but we don't agree with you. That's the reality. So that's what happens in committees, okay, <laughs> in committees. So be careful with, with, with what the popular message is. If any people should understand a problem with a popular message or a consensus development statement, it should be us, okay? Truth doesn't come from popular messages, generally speaking. So doc, Dr. Heaney basically shows that there is evidence that vitamin D and, and proper sunlight exposure lowers risk of arthritis, falls, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, type 1 diabetes by 80%, by the way, 80% if you just have optimal vitamin D during youth. Uh, insulin sensitivity, cardiovascular disease, periodontal disease, various cancers, tuberculosis, hypertension, and the list goes on and on. And here's, the, here's the, the point that you need to be aware of. Because when we start talking about this diet is going to cure everything, this program or this is going to help with everything, you know what the natural instinct of, of not just the population, but especially health professionals? Oh, man, you just bunch of quacks. Because that has historically been the definition of quackery, is when you say that this diet is going to help everything. Now, it may be true that it, it is true that it will help everything, okay? But we should never talk about this is going to cure everything because it involves more than one thing. It involves so many strategies. We're just trying to help the body heal itself. So, so Dr. Robert Heaney, the, the leading researcher on vitamin D in the world, says, how can a deficiency of a single nutrient produce so many and such diverse effects on the body? Again, it sounds like there's quackery involved here. And it's because, by the way, these are Dr. Robert Heaney's personal slides. I asked him if I could use them. He says, yeah, just make sure you tell them they're mine. So I just did. Okay, his vitamin D is an integral component of the mechanisms whereby cells control gene transcription, what genes do. You know, give me a minute, okay? And, and in response to all kinds of stimuli that come into our body. And so adequate vitamin D enables, this is just the key word, it enables, it doesn't force, it doesn't overpower, it's not like some drug that's forcing a process to occur whether you need it or not. It enables optimal response to a broad variety of signals, and it does it at the genetic level. Without vitamin D, your body cannot access the very information that's residing in your genes that tells the body that if you have this cancer, if you have this virus, if you have this infection, we have exactly the right chemotherapeutic a, a template that will make the chemotherapeutic agent that will destroy that one virus, that one type of virus or that one type of cancer that's in your body without any collateral damage. It'll destroy it and get rid of it, okay? So the best chemotherapy available today is to use those, access those templates in the body where we can manufacture what we need to do, what we need to make. 
how do you, how do you unlock that DNA library? That's exactly how they use it. It's a DNA library. How do you unlock those templates? Vitamin D is necessary for that. An optimal level of vitamin D allows that to happen. And so once you unlock that, then you get the response. Okay? Vitamin D is the key that unlocks the door to that library. And so this is one of many examples. It's not all about vitamin D. Okay? Don't, don't suspect that I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's such a simple thing. Let's take advantage of it and then move on to other things that are a little harder to do than just, just being in the sun a little bit. Okay? I mean, how hard can that be? Okay? We just need to do it on a regular basis and optimize our levels. And then, and here, here's the real message. I actually like to start my presentations in a new community or in a new church with this topic. Because it, it, it somehow changes the awareness of, wow, I had so much misinformation. I've been buying a bunch of misinformation for years. What else do they know that can help me get rid of all that disinformation garbage or baggage that I've been carrying all my life? What else do we know? They can help people fulfill the longing of their hearts. Okay? It's powerful. And so that's why I love this verse from Malachi 2. Uh, it says, Put, But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in his wings. We have just presented a powerful answer to some of their physical ills. Something that they thought was actually toxic, should not be in the sun, and that vitamin D is toxic, actually is healing. It is unlocking what's available naturally within our, our own genetic structure. Okay? What else are we thinking? What else are we unaware of that if we acted on it could unlock healing potential in our body? And that's when you can move in to all these other wonderful topics of, of healing the mind. Not just the body, but the mind is, and the brain is the most important part of the body. So with that, I will close. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.